Welcome to the Writer's Right Podcast, the show where every writer has the right to speak their mind. I'm your host, Joshua Howe, and as always, we'll be giving attention to the last thing my guest has written and the writing process is what I usually say, except that this is an emergency podcast, uh, because as you know, I am a big Raptors fan, um, and the Raptors just hired a new head coach in Nick Nurse, um, former assistant coach. So uh, today's guest is a uh, reoccurring uh, guest on my podcast, I had him on once before, um, one of my Raptors Republic teammates. It is Anthony Doyle. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing really good. Um, obviously, the uh, reactions are pouring in about Nick Nurse, and uh, I'm, I feel like I'm just waiting for people to start accusing me of being a Nick Nurse burner account because I'm, I'm all about defending him right now because he was one of my early choices. I actually um, I I wouldn't have minded having Stack either. But uh, I was always leaning towards Nick Nurse, um, and I and I like the other choices as well, like Messina from the Spurs. Um, but I, I like this choice. So, what are your initial thoughts on this? I like you. I'm sad about losing Stack. I'm sad that you know he's no longer in the organization. But like, I think Nick Nurse is a really good coach, and I think it's important to point out that over the last couple of years, whenever they hold polls among coaches and GMs. He's always really well respected in the league, and when he's come up for the head coaching jobs of other teams, he everybody always seems to say that he would be a great choice. So, there, as much as there's going to be some negativity because it's an internal hire, there's always been a lot of respect for him out there in the league. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't really know what there is to hate on yet. I mean, I think I'll, I think a lot of fans think this is. Um, a lateral move just because he was on Casey's staff, which I think is a little silly because that's a very like binary way to look at it. Um, I mean, he's a different person than Dwayne Casey. Like we don't know what he's going to be like with with the head coaching position. Like, what's his defense going to look like? Um, what can he add to the offensive system that maybe he was you know Casey was resistant to before, or someone else was resistant to before? Um, like, there's a whole bunch of things that. Uh, are going to be different and interesting to keep an eye on with him as head coach. And, like, obviously we know that um, the Raptors are in a spot where they feel like they've established the macro part of the culture, and, you know, Casey was huge for that. And now they're moving on because in some capacity at least they have to kind of move on. And the ma- the micro now is what they're looking at. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see, like, what can Nurse do with the micro stuff? Yeah, there's... Uh, it's important to remember, like, Nurse was the guy who built this offense that got so much praise throughout the season for the Raptors. Yeah. It was such a huge part of why they won 59 games this year, was all the offensive changes. And there's been indications out there that he wanted to make these changes before this year, but that he he was met with resistance from in within the coaching staff, whether that was Casey or coming from somewhere else there was resistance to those changes that he wanted to make until this year when he was able to do it, and it worked really well. Um, also, I agree with you. There's a lot of... The macro was good this year. Yeah. We had a had a great starting lineup for the first time during this run of good Raptors teams. Had a really good bench, the best bench in the league. It was the micro stuff, and the transitionary lineups were trouble, and then in the playoffs, you know... There were indications all year. Playing DeMar DeRozan and C.J. Miles was a bad idea. We did that way too much against Cleveland. Yeah. Playing Jakob Pertl and Serge Ibaka together was a bad idea. 
we did that a lot against Cleveland. Like, these are little issues that aren't, like, overhaul the entire offense or overhaul the entire defense to fix. And maybe a, a different voice can address some of those things. Yeah, that's definitely true. Like, um, I mean, again, I still think that, like, a lot of people, I think that if the Raptors had taken the Cavs to, like, sixth, then Casey probably doesn't get fired, even if they lose. Um, and some of those, and so maybe some of those issues are, are uh, looked at. But, but yeah, like, there, there's definitely, uh, like, I, this roster, like you're saying, um, even if this roster gets run back exactly the same, which I think is a really real possibility um, and should be interesting to look at Nurse's contract and see because that might give it sort of an indication as to um, whether or not they're, they're planning on running this team back or not. Um, there are those things that can be fixed, and you know, this this roster can have some small improvements at least, um, like th- like the you know the defense especially. Um, I just I worry a little bit about um, the fans who are already upset with this hiring, and uh, I, I just feel like he's going to get some blame for the limitations that the roster already has. There's like there's certain things that he just can't. I mean, no coach can just fix like. No coach is going to be able to just turn DeMar DeRozan into a defensive superstar, you know? Yeah, and I think those are interesting questions, and I think they have been, regardless of who the coach is, what does the roster look like uh, when no, when we get to the end of the season? But also, I, the other thing I'm really interested in is, what does Nick Nurse's coaching staff look like? Mm-hmm. Who's his Who's his lead assistant? Does Is Rex Kalamian staying on? Is uh, Jama Malo... Is Jama staying on? Sorry, I'm bad at pronouncing that last statement. <laughs> um, but are those guys staying on? Is it still going to be the same coaching staff, just with a different guy at the top? Or is Nick Nurse bringing in his own staff? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say, and I think that's really important, because I think as we've seen with the Raptors the last couple of years under Casey, the the coaches behind the head coach are really important. Yeah, they definitely are. Um, yeah, I think Rex Kalamian will be one of the most interesting ones to me just because he's a defensive guy. And um, for like for most of the season, like the defensive scheme worked. Um, and like notably, most notably for Valanciunas, who uh, improved a lot this season. And I wonder just like, you know, everybody looks at the defense and the playoffs as saying, well, that was the main issue, other than the mental collapse, which is an interesting factor when you throw that into everything because that's another thing that coaches, I'm not sure how much control a coach can have over that, even if it's somebody new um, kicking you in the butt. I mean, I'm sure Casey wasn't there saying, like, well, I guess we're just going to fold again, you know. Um, I don't know how much uh, a coach can change something like that. So, I don't know. Yeah, there's... there's there's a lot of stuff like that that I, I just, I worry that uh, Nurse is already going to be on like a pyre coming in. He's like basically starting with like a, you know, two and twenty record almost with a lot of fans. Is this? I. It's going to be interesting to see because this is also now, even more, you know, Messiah's Raptors. The only holdovers now from the pre-Messiah era are Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, and Jonas Valanciunas. Yep. And so, it, it, I think it's probably still pretty likely that 
at least one of those guys is not on the roster when the season starts because mm-hmm. I don't th- I don't think the Raptors want to pay the luxury tax this season. No, I don't think so either. Not after the sweep. Uh, it's difficult, and like you know that they're gonna try their darndest to re-sign Fred VanVleet. So, I mean that's that's a given. So. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's also interesting that like I'm not sure DeRozan's value is ever going to be higher than it is this summer. That I wrote a, that was actually the last article I wrote was about the reasons why they might want to move on from DeRozan, and I wrote about it from an offensive standpoint because you know my perspective on him is Demar DeRozan's a player who has more value the less shots you're getting from other sources in your offense, like the more different ways you have to create shots, the less value DeMar DeRozan is because so much of his value is tied up in having the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. And when you have other options who can have the ball in their hands, he just doesn't bring a lot. That's what Cleveland did to the Raptors was every time DeMar passed the ball, they started to ignore him. Yeah. So, you know, with the three point guards, the Raptors have all of whom are very good at creating shots with OG Ananobi hopefully taking a step up in the offense. There's all this room for expansion, and uh, I don't know... I don't know what DeMar's place is. And Nick Nurse was the guy who built this offense, and he's now the head coach. So he's the guy who built an offense that looked like it was ready to move on from DeMar. Yeah. And now he's running everything. So what does that mean for DeMar? Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Um, but, you know, it's funny, like, just to give some to, some props to DeRozan, like, uh, I remember writing, um, like, before the season or, like, it was either maybe before preseason or around preseason about, like, what DeRozan was going to have to do to adapt to this new kind of offense. Um, and basically I said that, like, he's got to learn to or at least try to become a better off-ball player and, like, do more cuts and some off-ball screens and stuff like that, which, again, he didn't really – do that, which, I mean, I, you know, I was kind of banking on, like, on not much there because, you know, this is a player who's been in the league a while and he's never done that. Um, so it's kind of tough. And But instead, what he did was something I also didn't think he was going to be able to do, which was, like, dramatically increase um, his ability to pass the ball. Yeah, so, I, I do want to give credit where credit is due. DeMar did a lot of things to improve his own offense this season he became a better decision maker he became decisive i apologize for my dog Um, (laughs) wants to be on the podcast uh he he made better decisions he was quicker moving into his decisions for a lot of the season and he was doing a better job of reading what the defense was offering and making the correct play to you know take advantage of where the defense was focusing the problem still is all of that was within the confines of DeMar is creating the shot. Yeah. And, like, it's that big limitation that he has, and I I don't want to come off as hating him, mm-hmm. because I, I think he's a very talented player, and, and I think he's been a great ambassador for the franchise, and I think all of that stuff has value. Yep. But his limitations are also things that are relevant to where this team is headed, and I think... I think there's also a case to be made that if the Raptors are looking to move on from DeRozan, that made them a less attractive option for an external coaching candidate. Because if you're a guy coming in 
from a different organization to the Raptors. And it's going to be your first time as a head coach with a new organization. And they tell you, you know, we've won 50 games, 59 games the last couple seasons. And we're trading one of our all-stars, one of the offensive focuses of the team. We're not giving you that guy, but the fans are going to accept, expect that level of success. That's not that attractive. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, uh, yeah, it's difficult to know exactly what... I mean, it's tough with just the the not knowing exactly what the team wants to do going forward. Like, every indication, and I just had this feeling that they want to run the team back. Is the initial, At least that was the initial thought process. And, you know, because Masai came out and said that they were looking for a coach who could um, helm a 59-win team. And that immediately made me think, oh, okay, so, like, they're looking to at least have the core. Like, maybe they'll try and make some minor tweaks, but, you know, like this is the team they want to run back because of the level of success they had this season. And um, you're right, that would make it um, more appealing to external uh, coaching options who, um, you know, could look at that team and say, well, here are the couple things maybe I would have done different that would have gotten you past the hump with this same core. Um, but it is, it is, it's tough. It's tough again with just with the personnel because you're right, like DeRozan needs the ball. That's how he... That's how he operates. That's how he's always operated and how he probably always will operate. Um, he just, he needs the ball and credit to him that he adjusted to fit in the system that uh, that was new and um, given to him. And they told him, you know, you have to figure out a way to fit in here. And he, he did, but he just figured out a way to do it while still having the ball, um, which is, again, not a disservice to him. Like, I mean, that's that's great for him. And for most of the season, it worked really, really well. Um, but he he's basically like, he's a James Harden light type player where, you know, he gives you, like, the poor man's James Harden kind of production um, now with the, with the passing as well. But, like, the stuff needs to come from him still. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that definitely would have been something, like, I'm sure, like, Messina would have been looking at and um, all those other coaching candidates, the guy from uh, Lithuania that I can never pronounce his name correctly. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Sarunas, I was interested in him and I, I'll i say I thought Masai's process in selecting the coach was really good um, Sarunas was one of the candidates I was a little bit less excited about not because I don't think he's good but because like he's only been a coach for two years yeah. he's had a lot of success in Europe but he's had relatively little experience as a head coach and it's all been in an entirely different league mm-hmm. so I'm not that sold on the indicators that he can just jump to, into the NBA and great, be a great head coach. But, like, Messina was a great candidate. Udoka was a great candidate. Um, the Raptors ran a really good coaching search. where When they got down to their final three or four candidates, I felt my, my opinion was basically that I can live with any of these guys because they're doing a good job narrowing down their list of guys. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I, I like, I think, like, I liked all the coach. Like, there wasn't one coach like in, near the end, like you're saying, that I would have been like, oh no, I can't believe we hired this guy. Like, I don't think any of these would have been awful options. Um, like, I just, I like the nurse hiring because I was totally fine with that from the beginning. But like, I also would have been okay with Messina or um, the Lithuanian coach, and um, like even Stackhouse. Um, I wouldn't have hated that. And it seems like he was the popular guy for the fans. Stack. Um, 
but I, uh, like he wasn't like it was pretty clear because he's now going to be an assistant for Memphis that like he wasn't going to get a head coaching job this season anyway. I just want to point this out with Stackhouse though, because the reason everybody's so high on Stackhouse right now is because the last two seasons he's had great years in the G League. Yeah. Nick Nurse's last head coaching job was in the G League. Mm-hmm. His last two seasons as a G League coach with two different organizations, he went 37 and 13 and 35 and 15. Mm-hmm. It was sure it was a few years ago, but since then he spent like six years as the lead assistant on an NBA bench. So he basically has the same resume as Stackhouse, just with the assistant coach experience. Yeah, he has like a longer, yeah. like a longer resume. Like it's pretty much yeah. it's like it's like what Stackhouse will be maybe a couple seasons from now. So I I love Stackhouse. And I love what he's done with the nine oh five the last two years, but Nurse also did that. And did it really well. So I think Nurse, the signs are there that he'll be really good. He's respected in the league. I'm I'm happy with it. And uh, also, this was a month-long process. They fired Casey about a month ago. Yeah. Nick Nurse was one of the first names that was brought up that they were talking to for the, as, for the head coaching job. Mm-hmm. He was the guy at the end of the month. He's been working for the Raptors during the, that entire month, which means he spent the last month in meetings with the Raptors brass talking about what he would be as a head coach. Yeah. And throughout that process, for an entire month, he has to have impressed them. That says something to me. Yeah, I mean, like, he's... So, uh, there's that narrative that, like, oh, it took the Raptors, like, a month or whatever, and if they'd really loved him, they would have hired him right away. I don't think that's necessarily true like i think he could have been the guy from the beginning where they're like okay this is you know this is the guy that we are most interested in we're likely gonna take him up on it but but we have this opportunity here and we know that Masai is not typically a reckless uh decision maker so it's not surprising to me that they would say okay here's a here's the guy that we are most interested in and we know everything about him already and all this stuff and you know we'll give him the the early interviews and talking to him and everything. But, you know, there are other options. And since we have this window of, you know, we don't have a draft pick either and all this stuff we don't have to worry about, um, we might as well, you know, take some time and and talk to these other candidates. And I think that was a good idea. And you know what? In the end, they still went with their guy anyway, probably the guy that they wanted most likely from the beginning that they were saying, you know, this is, again, this is the guy that it's just – it's just we want to talk to everybody. Like I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing to look at all your options and then still pick the guy you're going to have at the beginning. I don't think that means you liked him any less than um, at the beginning or that you weren't as certain about how good he's going to be. Like I don't, I don't, think, that's, I don't think that's really fair. Um, I, I think it's just Masai looking at a bunch of options and ultimately picking the one that he felt like was the best one. Yeah, he's a del- he is a very deliberate decision maker. Mm-hmm. That's who he's always been. He, you know, if you ever watch a Maasai press conference, he never really comes off as a guy who's jumping into a rash decision. No. And so I think taking a month to do it was just him saying, like, we don't have any deadlines coming up in the next month. We don't have anything in the next month that says this decision has to be made. So why not take our time? Why not read the room as well as we can before we come to it? A conclusion, and if they missed out on Budenholzer, who I thought was also an okay candidate, although I wasn't sure. as high on him as some people were, yeah. 
then that's okay because they still ended up with a guy they wanted. And I don't think any coaching candidate was that far outside of the pack in this that they needed to grab that guy immediately. Yeah, I agree. I also think it's interesting, like, I mean, fandom reacts in, in weird ways sometimes. Um, but I also think that part of the reason, like, fans have that strong, seemingly strong attachment to Stack is because he's a former player. And, like, people just have those kinds of attachments to former players. And they've seen him, like, in the public eye for so long. Whereas, like, it's different with Nurse. Like, he's been with the Raptors organization for a while. But, like, there are, like, some people out there, um, definitely people from other teams. And then or, like, fans of other teams, and then, um, like, even some really casual Raptors fans that are like, I don't know who this guy is, you know? Yeah, I I get that. I mean, but then, if you, if you go looking for it, you read anything that coaches around the NBA have said about Nick Nurse, that people around the league have said about Nick Nurse, he's very highly thought of yep. around the league. Yep. Um... This was never the most important decision of the summer for me. So while I'm happy about it, I'm still sitting here and going, what's the next move? Because that's the one that matters. Right. So it'll be, so the, like I mentioned before, um, Nurse's contract, when those details come out uh, fully and everything, um, it'll be interesting because I think, and I think it was Matt, Matt Chance mentioned this earlier on Twitter, and I thought it was interesting. Um, just, it'll be interesting to see if his contract aligns with um, the current core's contracts um, to be on that similar to be on the similar timeline at least for the foreseeable future, or if he just has um, a longer extended contract. Because I think, in my opinion, that if he has one that aligns with the current core, you kind of have to assume that the idea is at least right now unless something comes up, because literally anything can happen in the offseason at any point. Like, they could be thinking one thing now, and it changes, like, like three days from now. Um, but you kind of think that if that is how the deal is set up with the, to go along with the core, that the idea is that the team is going to be brought back. Like, this core is going to be brought back, um, and that they're going to run it back and let, and let Nurse um, see if he can make a difference with this core. Yeah, I... I think I'd rather see him give a, given a longer window, but I'd also really like to know things like what's Nick Nurse's relationship with OG? Because to me, OG is the most important player on the Raptors roster right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I know that sounds crazy because you know he was a twenty third year overall pick. He didn't make it all rookie team, but oh, I saw enough from OG to, that I'm convinced he's the future of the franchise and. Uh, you know, everything that comes after this core is going to be built around him because I don't see any of those other young guys as a guy to build around. Sure. So the co- guy who's coaching the Raptors right now, I want to know that they're, that that relationship is strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I still can't believe OG didn't make any, like, didn't basically get any awards this season. That's bananas. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. No. His... Uh, his yeah, Bobby so. Bobby Marks is just reporting on Twitter that uh, there's rumblings about the Grizzlies attaching Chandler Parsons to the number four pick and moving back in the draft. Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, so this is the well, we can go into this really briefly because like 
I'm, I've, I've been pushing this rumor for over a month. Yeah, yeah. So like, so you're you're. I know you've been pushing this. I'm also excited about this. I think um, this is probably like so for me, and I, I know definitely for you. This is like the probably the best. That would probably be the best possible trade for the Raptors, right? Trading for that, uh, trading the idea being trading DeRozan um, for Parsons and the number four pick. That'd be like the best possible. That or Matthews in the five. I think that's I, I think that's a reasonable outcome for a DeRozan trade. Is you get a young piece that you can build around that can fit with OG. Maybe even that OG can be the guy supporting this guy. But you have your two young pieces to build around for the future. Chandler Parsons is a bad contract. But when he plays, he can still shoot, and he expires exactly in line with the Ibaka and Lowry contracts. Yeah. And so it doesn't move the Raptors' window, it doesn't move their their cap space window, and every indication for Memphis is they want to keep winning. They want to do everything they can to keep winning as long as they can, even though I think that's a bad move for the franchise. But that's what they want. Yeah. And what the... What they need more than anything if they want to do that is they need a guy who can create his own shot. And like we've been talking about, that's the one thing DeMar DeRozan can do better than almost anybody. Yeah, I mean, I don't really... I'm, I'm with you. I don't really understand the direction Memphis is kind of going right now. Um, but, like, whatever. They're going to do what they want, I guess. Um, they clearly kept Marcus All, even though he kind of didn't really want to be there and they fired uh, Dave Fisdale instead of, you know, um, doing something with Gasol or whatever. So they're definitely, like, keeping the Conley-Gasol thing together. Um, did I ever mention to you my, like, extremely improbable best-case scenario for the Raptors offseason? I don't think I've heard that. Okay, so this was it in basically one move. It's, uh, yeah, trading DeRozan to Memphis for that four-pick in Parsons, and then uh, the Suns taking Aiton, which seems to be extremely likely now. And then the Kings and Hawks following up on their um, early, like, a few weeks ago or a month ago or whatever, those rumors that they, they didn't want to take Doncic because he's not American. So if they actually followed through on that and Doncic fell to the Raptors at four, I would be ecstatic. That would be incredible. I think, Do- uh, I think Doncic is the best prospect in this draft. I think... You know, if you watched the last two rounds of the playoffs, how do you not come to the conclusion that wings who can play multiple positions, who can create shots in an offense, those are the most valuable players in the league. That's what Doncic does, and he does it at an incredibly high level. Yeah, and like if you're and if you're looking to, you know, if you're looking to move DeRozan or whatever, and um, you're you're trying to get back. A value that could potentially become like basically all-star value and if that's something you really want like like that's a move where again like that's it's so unlikely but um like that's the kind of thing where it's like that's like a best case scenario where you basically land uh, a potential young star in place of you know your current one um and that and that immediately becomes a trade that the raptors can sell too because yeah. um the hardest thing about trading DeRozan is selling it to the fan base because he's the face of the franchise. Yep. But if you get back the EuroLeague MVP, then that that suddenly looks really good to everybody. 
Yeah, that trade looks. I think that trade looks amazing. Like, I mean, there's gonna be some of those people that go like, "Oh my God, he's the next Barnyani." Those people will be crazy, but um, you know, there'll be some of those people. But yeah, like that's. I think that'd be like that's the best case scenario for me. Plus, I do think, like, if you are moving to Rosen again, like this, this is one of these things where uh, it won't. I don't. I can't see it just being like a deal if he gets moved where it's just, it's just okay. You're gone by. Like I feel like he's there's going to be conversation between DeRozan and management. And um, I, I, I do think that like a place like Memphis where they do still have a Marcus all and they do still have a Mike Connolly. Um, like at least there's like, he's, uh, he could be winning there. Like there's a, there's a chance that they go and they have a nice season with him there. And, and Stackhouse is there now. Yeah. There's and, a familiar face for yeah. DeRozan. Yeah. And, so it's not like he just be, they're just sending him to like, uh, Sacramento. Yeah. And I think, like we were talking about earlier with Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse was the architect of this offense that was really good for the Raptors this year, but also this offense that de-emphasized DeMar and saw his numbers go down. Mm-hmm. And so there's a chance that DeRozan looks at Nick Nurse being named the head coach and kind of sees in the tea leaves that the Raptors might not always be the best place for him. Yeah. I, I think... If there's a time to move on with DeRozan, you mentioned earlier his trade value might never be higher. Mm-hmm. This, I, I think this is the move if Memphis is willing to do it. Yeah, so that's the only other concern is like Memphis will probably get, you got to imagine they're going to get a ton of offers for that, right? Um, especially with the rumors that Doncic is going to slip. Yeah, especially with the rumors that Dodgers is going to slip. Uh, so I don't know. Um, and the result, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough to know, especially with around draft because there's so much smoke screening. But like, uh, if, if you, here's the question: If you knew that Doncic was going to be there, would you attach a young guy to make it happen? If I knew Doncic was going to be there, um, yeah, I would. I I'm look. I'm a big Doncic fan. I I watched um, a fair amount of him. Um, this season and I, I just like tons of his highlights on repeat and all this stuff. And I, I really like him, man. I think he's going to be really good. Cause I think if the Raptors were willing to attach uh, now, you know, I love Jakob Pertle. Yes. But, but if they attached Jakob Pertle, I think Memphis makes the deal. I mean, look, any young player that's not OG for Doncic, I would seriously consider if not, yeah. if not just throw them in. Like, even Siakam, who I think, like, has potential to be, like, such a great defensive, even better defensive player than he already is. Um, yeah, Pirtle, um Yeah, again, I'm also a Pirtle fan. Um, but, uh, yeah, that I think in, a, in that sort of scenario, you definitely have to, you'd have to attach that and say, okay. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I've been mentioning it for a month now that that trade is what I want. I honestly didn't think it was that possible, but now that Memphis <laughs> is talking that they want to attach Parsons to the pick, there really isn't that much cap space out there in the league. There aren't going to be that many teams willing to take a contract that big. Yep, you're right. Um, I think so. so I, I guess like part of that then also depends on like how steadfast are the Raptors in in their notion of right now we have a 59 win team. We got our new head coach. Do we want to just try this again? Or if that opens up, say Memphis is okay with that, is you know offers something like that, or says suggests that they would be open to that. 
Um, do you think the Raptors like would jump on that immediately anyway? Because maybe they're enamored with the idea of just they were so close this season, I, I guess in air quotes, um, that they want to try this again, even over something like that. I and that's that's hard to say. Yeah. I think trading Demar is going to be really hard for the organization to do for PR reasons and mm-hmm. be, be, because Demar off the court is like the perfect face of a team. Yep, he is. So I I think it's hard to say that stuff. And a lot of this stuff they might already know the answers to. This stuff might have played into them making the choice of Nick Nurse for head coach. Yeah. So I I don't like we don't know because Masai runs such a tight ship. Yeah. It's true. So I I do think if they had hired an external coach, that probably, in my mind, would have made it more likely that DeMar was staying. Yeah, I could see that. Because um, I, th- I think an external coach might have asked for that promise that they're keeping the roster more, mostly intact. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, I think, I think too, just because, like, you're right, like, Nurse already knows how, like, everything works um, internally, so it's not like he has to adjust any of that stuff. Um so I'm sure he's already like he's already someone who's going to be more willing to go along with uh, Masai's course of action. I think um, whatever that plan is. Um, but yeah, um, it's crazy. Like it, it's funny. I I, that, I pitched that like um, Doncic basically trade scenario like a couple months ago, and uh, <laughs> and or something. It was like a month or two ago. I don't remember even how long. A long time ago, as like this crazy thing. That could never happen. And now, like, there are a couple of things, like the idea, like Phoenix being so open about this is we want Aiton, and now uh, Memphis saying, yeah, we're willing to make this trade. Like this, it's I don't know, man. Like I now I'm feeling like the percentage is is rising that there there's a slight chance. And now I'm getting I'm talking myself into the fact that this could maybe happen, and I'm probably just setting myself up for sadness. But you know. So for the most part, though, with the nurse hire, you're happy with it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I'm not ecstatic. I think uh, I think it's a good hire. I think um, he should definitely... I think he's earned his shot. Um, his offensive system held up, like you said. That wasn't the problem in the playoffs. Um, he'll have more say now, obviously, over what happens in every other facet of the game. Um, I, I think he has the respect of the guys on the team, too, already. Um, so I think that matters. Um, and he, he knows the culture, um, all that kind of stuff. He's, he's already just, he's already implement. There's a lot of, I guess people can make a lot of negatives of that. They're being an internal hire, but there's also a lot of positives. And it's just that like, he's already going to fit seamlessly into everything that the Raptors do, um, just on a culture basis already. So they're not shaking things up at all that way. Um, they, they, they have that stuff set in place. It's, it's really about the micro now, um, especially if this team does get run back. Um, and, you know, if there's new incoming pieces, then it'll be interesting to see what he does with that. Um, like, I, I think that a player, like a Doncic-type player even, just, like, they, that would fit. <laughs> You I, and I are both so excited about this. I, I'm way too excited about this right now. But I'm, like, I'm just thinking about, like, he, that, that, that type of player, even not necessarily the Haspi Doncic, but, like, even that type of player fits so well in a nurse system. Um, yeah. that like, it's so, it's, it's like, it's overwhelmingly exciting, but, but yeah, so yes, um, 
I'm 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 happy with the nurse the nurse uh, signing, and I'll I will continue to defend it from crazy people on Twitter. Yeah, I'll I'll be there alongside you. I think what's going to be interesting to see is how the internet reacts to the um, Raptors' first couple after timeout play calls of the next season. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're because people are going to be watching stuff like that, and that's where Casey had some issues sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean. The first time I ever called for Dwayne Casey to be fired was after the New Jersey Nets series, when on the final play he drew up the play on the wrong side of the court. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, I say that I love Dwayne Casey. I think he was the best coach the Raptors have ever had. Yep. But it's still fair to criticize him for some of the micro things. Yeah, I mean, that's his thing, right? It was like the, the knock on him was always the X's and O's stuff. Um, which honestly, if you talk to somebody like Coop, uh, for Raptors Republic, he's like, he's our X's and O like God. Um, he's, he's not as bad as people think with that kind of stuff anyway, especially since like he had the help of somebody like a Nick Nurse, but, um, like that wasn't his strongest suit, but it's the thing when you look at coaching, like there's so much that goes into coaching that is not just X's and O's. Everybody like fans love to look at the X's and O's stuff and say like, that's coaching like that. That's how you know whether a coach is good or not. And there's so much more that goes into it. That's not just the X's and O's. And then like, I agree with you. Like it's a huge job. And most of it isn't even during an NBA, during the actual game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I go back to when people talk about, uh, a couple of years ago when the Warriors won 72 games and uh, Steve Kerr missed half the season, everybody said, oh, he shouldn't get the credit for that. But it was Steve Kerr's systems, even if it was somebody else coaching the game. It, Steve Kerr still built the foundation that they were running on. Yeah, absolutely. And so it now, I mean, that opens the question what we're going to get next year with the Raptors. Is it going to be Nick Nurse running a Dwayne Casey foundation? Or is it going to be a Nick Nurse foundation? Mm-hmm. I think most interestingly that will come up with the defense. Um, because everybody already credits the offense to Nick Nurse, um, as, as they should. Um, but, you know, I think everybody thinks that for the most part, um, and this it might not be true, because, I, I mean, I think, I think maybe mostly it will be like this similar same type offense because it worked. Um, but, like, you know, he could still add some new wrinkles and things if he wants Um uh, to the offense, but yeah, the the defense I think is what's going to be interesting because Dwayne Casey was always known as a defensive head coach, um, and he obviously started. You know, he was a defensive coordinator with Dallas, and that's where we ended up hiring him out of. Uh, so, I think that's going to be um, one of the early like targets for Nurse is um, how does the defense look, and uh, we'll have to see, especially with like you said, like the staff, like is is Rex Kalaman going to be on the team next year? Um, I, I would probably say yes, but I don't know. I'd like to see Kalamian stay. I'd also like to see him bring in a few of his own people because I'd like to see what his goals are for the staff. But I, I don't know enough about Nick Nurse's past before the Raptors to sort of know who the guys are he's connected to that he would bring in. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. Um, 
but uh, I guess that's that's part of the fun. But I do I do agree that he should he should at least have some say in that. Um, but but yeah, I think that's that's gonna be one of the targets and just and like you're saying too the out of timeout stuff. But I I think. I think he'll be better at that stuff. Like, all indications are that I've heard of is, like, not just, like, he's a good offensive mind. Like, people say he's, like, a creative genius kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, giving him full control, like, that could be fun. Like, we might be seeing some, like, Brad Stevens-level stuff on out-of-time-out plays. Well, I mean, people say he's an offensive genius because that's the only thing a lot of people know about him mm-hmm. is that he rebuilt the Raptors' offense. True. And so, you know... We we attach ourselves to the things we know about him because we can't really say much about the other stuff, except you know to look and say, well, when he head coach was a head coach in the G League, he he had a ton of success. How much does that translate? I don't know yet. I, the G the G League isn't really old enough to necessarily say that a lot of guys can make that transition. But yeah. I I like Masai committing to it. I like Masai's process. I trust Masai overall, even if I have in the last couple of years had a few small qualms with some of his decisions. The Ibaka contract, the Norm contract are both things that weigh on the franchise a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. But I feel like as long as the next move is a solid one, this is going in the right direction. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, this is just out of curiosity, but in general, do you think it's like would you be more willing to bet on a um, head coach from the G League coming in and making a better NBA head coach or a coach from the NCAA? Generally speaking, I would probably bet on a a G League coach. Yeah, okay. I would too. Because they've been working within an NBA-style organization. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think, and I think that's a similar thing too with the um, European coaches. Um, we saw what happened with David Blatt. That was, of course, he was in a very specific scenario, but um, that must have been really tough for him. Yeah, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. I mean, Brad Stevens worked out, but at the same time, a lot of the best coaches in NBA history uh, or in college history struggled in the NBA. Yeah. So, I. It doesn't always translate. The G League, at least, you're going with a similar style organization, a similar style rule book, and the players that you're coaching in the G League are players who are, their immediate goal is the NBA. Right. Whereas college players are, I mean, they're teenagers in college. They have all sorts of other stuff going on. European players, they don't even have to go to the NBA. So I think it's I think it's the most direct tra- translation. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, I'm always just curious on that because you know as soon as a job, a uh, head coaching job, opens up, there's always those people who say, "Well, what about so and so from um, college basketball, who's you know a really well known head coach down there, um, like you know your Bill Selfs and Coach K's and stuff." And well, a lot of that is because Brad Stevens worked out so well. Yeah, that's true. Um, he is the exception, but yeah, he did. He obviously he's a great coach. Um, <laughs> uh, it'd still take a LeBron over Brad Stevens, but uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a member of the Brad Stevens cult, but I do respect his abilities as a coach. Yeah. Do you? By the way, do you think Dwayne Casey is going to win Coach of the Year this year, or do you think Stevens is going to win it? 
I think Stevens is going to win it. Yeah, uh, I kind of do too. I think I'm not. I think Stevens is going to win it, and he did a really impressive job. Mm-hmm. But I also think the Boston media plays a role in that, and the Toronto media doesn't have as much influence in the league. Sure. And and I think the Toronto media, because they're aware they don't have that much influence, has a tendency to sort of narrow all their credit onto one person. And in the last four or five years, that's been DeMar DeRozan, and it's paid off. Two All-NBA selections, four-time All-Star. But I also think you could say that that has taken away some of the credit from some of the other guys with the Raptors. Yeah, I think it's, it, I don't know. Like, Casey won the uh, the award from his peers, which was really cool. Um, and I, I wonder how much of that was they just didn't want him to get fired. Yeah, I feel like a lot. I feel like a lot of it. I feel like a lot of them because, like, you you go on and see like um, other coaches on uh, just like talk shows and stuff, and they would be saying, and this is before they he got fired, but like uh, after the sweep and the um, there was that just hanging in the air that there was a high chance he could get fired, and, and you know how like coaches are, they're all on these shows defending Casey because he's a fellow coach, and they all know yep. how tough that job is, and they're all going, I don't know, man, like, he he did a really good job, have you seen all the stuff he did this year, blah, 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 and everything they were saying for the most part was true, but I do think a lot of that was, yeah, that they, they didn't want to see their peer get fired. And I also think the reason the coaches didn't vote for Brad Stevens, because none of them did, is I think it weighs a little bit on the coaches the way Brad Stevens gets extreme credit for his team success. Like, yes. Brad's, Brad Stevens is really good but sometimes in the media, people go to lengths to insult the Celtics roster in order to make Brad Stevens look like a miracle worker and look like he's so far head and shoulders above every other coach in the league. And it wouldn't shock me if that bothers a lot of other coaches. Yeah, I mean, as the Warriors are to NBA teams, Brad Stevens seems to be um, that way to amongst coaches. He's He's like that kid in the back of the room who's just like, is smarter than everybody, and um, a lot of people don't like him because of it. But the thing is, like, um, as a person, like, he seems so great because he's always humble. Um, yep. And, you know, he's never talking himself up and stuff like that. And I feel like it's a little unfair for him almost the amount of praise he gets. And obviously Boston is a very um, – they're, like, a very – I don't know how to put it. Like, I guess aggressive type um, media coverage where they're they really when something good happens they really shove it in your face um, they're not the only franchise that does it but i'm just saying like their media coverage is a lot like that um and he so he gets a lot of exposure and then you know now the narrative is out there and it's extremely difficult to stop a narrative once it starts rolling um so yeah i think i think i think it is fair that he gets credit um and i think he probably will win coach of the year just because I mean, he did a great job with his team, and like he has a very strong case for Coach of the Year. Um, and there's multiple multiple guys you can say that about. Uh, and Casey is one of them. Um, and I think if Casey won, he'd be totally deserving as well. Um, but you know, and that'll be another thing too that uh, we have to we kind of have to deal with as like people that write about the Raptors that you know if Casey get you know got fired in the year that he won coach of the year and then that becomes a whole thing of well what is the organization doing like they don't know what they're they're crazy and you know i with Casey's firing my opinion since it's happened has been that Dwayne Casey did not deserve the blame for what 
the entire blame for what happened to the Raptors against Cleveland. No. And that, you know, he had a great year and he deserves a lot of credit for that. But also it might have been the right time to move on. And I think both of those things can be true. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I was one of those people that I'm very much like this because it's just how I try and see things. But, like, I think it's important in any kind of analysis. But, um, you know, like, you have to look at something like that series or whatever and say, yeah, Casey was um, made some mistakes and um, was part of the reason that they lost some of those games. But, like, he was not the be-all, end-all reason that that happened. And um, for the most part, he did what uh, he was doing all year in a lot of facets. And um, he was, you know, he was still good um, for the most part. Um, there were some mistakes that ended up becoming um, growing and being bigger um, than perhaps they should have been. But, like, that's not all on him. Again, part of that is personnel. And it's the same thing with the Rosen. A lot of people, uh, at least Raptors fans, a lot of Raptors fans wanted to... Um, just put all the blame on DeRozan because of his defensive issues after that series as well. And because, you know, he got pulled from game three and, um, yep. and he got ejected from game four and, um, and he's having all these frustrations. And, uh, so, you know, people wanted to put it on him too. And, and again, yeah, he's, he's part of the problem and his defensive limitations are part of the problem. He's not the problem. Um, you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's like this with anything, but, yeah, I guess if you it's, if you want to shake it up, you're right. Like you have to it, you have to do it's it at the some tw- point. It's the Twitter NBA era. Nuance is really hard right now in basketball. Uh yeah, it's that's true. It, it's so it's it's frustrating. Like I we need to find a way to get to a place where we can talk about the faults in a player or a coach or an organization yep. without it being a complete indictment yep. of what we're talking about. Like that's how I feel about DeMar DeRozan. That's how I felt about Dwayne Casey. Is I, I want to be able to talk about the reasons that I thought it was okay for them to fire Dwayne Casey. The micro issues, the rotation issues, which I think were very real. I want to be able to talk about the reasons that I think DeMar DeRozan was part of why that series went so badly. But I also want to be able to say that despite those reasons, DeRozan had the best year of his career. Yeah. And I loved watching him play for most of the season. Yeah, I did too. Um, this was a season where I really, I really came to like every night I was really enjoying watching DeRozan. Um, you know, it, it's funny, like I wrote a, an article on him, like um, in the, around the middle of the season, I guess about him as basically his case as the greatest Raptor of all time. Um, not the best, but the greatest, which are two different things. Um, but like, I, and you know, it's like even after the Cleveland series, one of those things. Like, I don't. That hasn't changed for me. I still think he is the greatest Raptor of all time. Um, does that mean he's perfect? No. Does that mean like he was better than Vince Carter or whatever? Um, as like just pure talent and stuff? No. Um, does that mean he's the best player to keep on the roster moving forward? Not necessarily. Um, but is he the greatest Raptor of all time? Yeah, I still think so. Like. It's it's one of those things, you know, that we're gonna we're gonna be having these these hopefully more nuanced discussions going forward. Like once NBA, I I'm, I don't know. I'm just I guess maybe I have too much hope in people, but I keep thinking that at some point we're gonna get past this um, just fire take era. But maybe maybe not. Yeah, I hope so too. And I I want to be able to. This is really hard as a Raptors writer because we have a. Or we have a team right now that's really fun. Yep. It's 
the best team we've ever had, and it's also got a, a lot of guys on the team who are flawed despite being good. And that makes it really hard to talk about because it, it feels like most people position themselves on one side or the other of every player. And you, it's hard to find the middle. It's hard to be, he's good, but... Because either they focus on everything after the but or everything before the but. Yep. And I, that's that's been one of my biggest challenges as a Raptors writer over the last couple of years is trying to write down that middle line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, um, I remember like a, a couple of seasons ago, um, and DeRozan was having like one of his career years and stuff, and the season where he averaged like twenty seven, around twenty eight, and um, he his numbers that season are really comparable to uh, Kobe Bryant's from his MVP season, and I remember sharing it, and like it was so it was so weird because just because of the difference now in how we look at players and the game, the game has obviously changed some and, um, and just the, the narrative surrounding Kobe. But like, I just remember thinking that like, this is so weird now how we look at like these two seasons are extremely comparable, um, by two different players. Obviously Kobe's a better player than DeRozan. I'm not saying that, but like statistically their seasons were comparable and, I just thought it was so weird how how different we look at these things now. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know, and I guess that's just that's just time. But you know that that's something like Raptors fans. We always kind of deal with that sort there's, of line. I mean, I think there's something to the fact that in some ways the league just passed Demar by, and that yep. That's some of the flaws in his game is like he the things he does well, he's great at. He's one of the best in the league at it. And you hear guys around the league talk about it. You hear Kevin Durant talk about studying DeMar's footwork. Um, and his peers respect the hell out of his game. But then you also look at it and you say, well, okay, but the things that he does really well, despite being one of the best in the league at them, how valuable are they in the current league? And that is a really tough question. Yeah. And, and that's, that's unfortunate because it takes away a little bit from the fact that 20 years ago, the things that he does really well were incredibly valuable. And that it, I wish we could just push him back a little bit in history mm-hmm. to an era where he would have been a superstar because he absolutely would have been. Yep. Especially with the like, not the same social media stuff going on. So, um, yeah, I agree. Uh, he's he's still really good. Like, I I always think about like, well, what what if he was on, um, like, what if he'd been the third best guy on Houston? Like, does that change that series for them even more so? Again, even with Chris Paul going down against the uh, Warriors, you know. Well, he, here's my question about that one though, because I I see a lot of people ask the question, like, what if DeMar DeRozan is your third best player? But my question is, like, sure. can he be that? Mm-hmm. Because if if he's your third best player, doesn't that mean that two other guys have to have the ball more often than he does? Yep. And what does DeMar provide while they have the ball? Like, if Chris Paul is creating a shot in the offense, what is DeMar DeRozan giving you? Yeah, 
it's it's true. Um, he would definitely have to adjust. It's one of those things where, like, in those scenarios, he would just he would just have to. Um, and I, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, whether or not he could do it. It'd be one of those. It'd be one of those things, though. It'd be like the first time in his career where he's being told, like, you have to do this. There's no way around it this time. Um, it, you have it, to do it. it. It's funny because right now I kind of think we've we might have gone way off topic with the Nick Nurse thing, but then yeah. I think all of this sort of does relate back to Nick Nurse and his offense and how he changed the Raptors' offense this year. Yeah. And if that's the direction he wants to keep going, then these question these things with Demar all really relate to what do you do with him? Because in order for Demar to be an effective player, he has to be a focal point of the offense mm-hmm. and. Nick Nurse's head coach either is going to be building an offense around DeMar next year or he's going to be building an offense without DeMar, and I'm not sure there's that much of a middle ground. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Honestly, like, if, if they do run the same team back, it's hard to see having a regular season that was much better than 60 wins around there. Um, so I, I don't know about that. It, it'll be, I guess, playoffs, and it'll be also just about seeing what he does for all those little micro things um, during the course of the regular season and um, and see if he adjusts some lineups maybe that were um, not working so well, like a Baca Pirtle lineups and stuff. Um, Things like that. um, It'll be interesting to see how, just how he tackles that if he does have the same team, but you're right. Like otherwise, I mean, I, I don't see, and, and again, this isn't this isn't necessarily about Nurse. Like this is the problem that a lot of people have. They're just saying, "Well, this is going to be the same old Raptors." Well, it's, a lot of that is personnel. Like if you give him the exact same team, there are going to be things he can fix, um, and, and we'll see if he does them or not. Um, but the rest of that is it's the same team. Like how how much do you want? Like what else do you want from the guy? Like he can only do so much. Um, so then it's on the organization to say, "Well, you know, if you know if they go through it again and it doesn't work, there's definitely." Can be some changes, but it's on them to see if they want to do it now, too. Exactly. If you if you want to get a different result, you have to give different tools. Yeah. And so, I I'd love to see this all end with a better Raptors team next year. I don't know that there's a path to them being a better team next year. I, I agree. But I, if they if they trade DeRozan this offseason, like I don't think the Raptors are going to be winning sixty games next season. No, but I I think Masai is aware of that, and I think if he is making moves, he's not making moves for next year. He's making moves for two seasons from now, three seasons from now, and you know not to go back to a trade rumor that we love that's probably already gotten too much time on this podcast. But <laughs> that's where Doncic plays in, right? Yeah. Never too much time for Doncic. Oh man, I need to just have like a full on podcast where I just nerd about Doncic. But yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Like that's that's the exact type of, type of thing. And not even if, even if it wasn't Doncic, like even say they, you know, they make a trade for the fourth or the fifth pick or whatever, and you know, it's not necessarily Doncic. Even so, um, it's this is a good draft. Um, there, there are a bunch of other uh, young prospects that it's the same sort of idea where you know. Um, this guy could be really good. Um, it, you know, it might be a few years down the road kind of thing, but you know, it's worth it in the long haul. Um, and you know, that's the sort of type of trade that is, I think, ideal for the Raptors to make if they are going to trade DeRozan, because I agree, like, you know, you're going to trade him, especially with this market and stuff. Like if you're going to trade him and you're not, you're just, it's extremely unlikely you're getting back 
uh, the better value immediately for him, like in terms of just like, oh, now next season we're winning like 65 games. Like in, in that sort of scenario, like you need like a, I don't know, like a, what, what are you moving on after DeRozan? Like how much farther up can you go? Like signing Kevin Durant kind of thing? Like it's just, that's not going to happen. So. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that the same reasons that the Raptors might want to move on from DeMar also affect how other teams view the possibility of trading for DeMar. Yes. And yes. that that dynamic sort of it does it limits his trade value. It doesn't say that he's a bad player, but it says you have to balance what you expect in a trade around those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I, that's why I went the the to the um, the Dallas trade is a little uh, seems a little less likely to me than the one possibly for Memphis uh, the Memphis pick just because. I, I don't know, like, Dallas is in that weird spot where, like, yeah, that's a that's a franchise that always has wanted to win and stuff, but, I mean, like, they're they're getting the last kind of year or two of Dirk, and, uh, I don't know, they have Dennis Smith Jr., but other than I, that, it's, you know... I, it's, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, dog problems. Um, yeah, no, it just, the, I, I just, it just seems like um, a less easy fit for DeRozan in Dallas than somewhere like Memphis, especially since you'd be sending him to a place where it's like, you're definitely not winning for at least a few years. And like DeRozan's not getting any younger either. So yeah, it has to be, a. would like it to be a situation where it's mutually good where, yep. you know, DeMar has been good to the Raptors franchise. I'd like them to also set him up somewhere where he's going to be happy. Oh yeah. And, I think that's and important. That's, that's hard to do in a trade. It is. I think it's important, though. Like, I, it's one of those things where, like, you know, there's some fans that say, well, you know, it's a business, and as hard as it is, like, whatever, like, you just, you know, if you're the franchise, you just do what's best for the franchise, and you move them. And, like, I get that. Um, but at the same time, like, it, for the Raptors uh, as a franchise, like, it's a really bad look to move the guy who has said repeatedly, I want to be here. I am Toronto. Um, he's done all these things for people in the city of Toronto. He's been great. Um, always been a, a great spokesperson. He won that friggin' award this year for excellence on and off the court. Um, the right from the writers, uh, association. And, you know, it'd be bad. It'd be just such a bad look to, to just forcibly move him to somewhere he wouldn't want to go. Like I always use Sacramento, sorry, Sacramento, but, um, as Sacramento as an example, like just sending him to Sacramento and him outwardly saying like, basically, you know, and I can't imagine DeRozan being like, because he's so professional saying it outright, but like basically saying that this sucks. I hate this. I'm, um, I'm not happy with my organization, like the Raptors for doing this. And it would just be such a bad look for the franchise. And even, even on a selfish level for the Raptors, the way you treat players impacts future relationships with players as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and DeRozan's really well liked around the league. So Yeah. Yeah. So I It's good news. Let's see what happens next. Is is that basically where we both said, I guess? Yeah, pretty much. Um yeah, it's good news. No reason to freak out about it. Dude hasn't even coached one second of, you know, the Raptors yet as a head coach. So I think we he earned his shot and I think uh we owe him, you know, some time. Can it, uh, one more question for you, though. Because yeah. I saw this come up among a few people. Okay. How do you feel about the fact that the Raptors never mentioned Becky Hammond in their search? Because I know she's been a hot name this summer around the coaching circuit. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I don't, I, it doesn't really bother me that they didn't, um, just because, look, I don't, I don't necessarily, like, I don't think Mass is the type of guy to not bring someone in because of their gender or because of, uh, race or blah, 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 or something like that. Like, he just, he isn't that kind of guy from what I know. I don't think that's why. I think, um, who, who was it that, um... Becky Hammond had the interview with earlier. Milwaukee. Milwaukee. I think, like, maybe she just, she went, she had an interview, and, um, you know, Bucks gave her an interview. That's cool. That's whatever. Um, maybe just the interview wasn't, like, super amazing, and, and, every, and, you know, people in the league are like, yeah, you know, it was okay. And the Raptors are like, well, you know, we got um, Messina coming in from the Spurs, and um, I they, you know, they're, they're like, well, we like what he's saying. And, you know, he, we're narrowing our, our shirts down and he's still kind of in it. Um, I, so I don't, I think that's more of the reason why I don't think it's any like slight to Becky Hammond, like, because she's a woman, I don't think the Raptors are just that type of organization at all. I don't think, no, oh, I, that way, I so. don't think they are either. I was just curious. Cause I think, yeah, okay. I, I get both why she didn't get an interview with the Raptors. Yeah. She hasn't been coaching that long. She's, she hasn't been a front bench coach no. with, with the Spurs. She did a great job with their summer league team. Yep. And everybody who's been around the Spurs says nothing but great things about her. Yep. So I'd like to see her get that opportunity. Sure. I also get why it hasn't happened yet. And uh, I, I think some of the reactions either way have been a little extreme. Yeah. I, I think she's eventually going to become a head coach. And I and I hope it happens with an organization where she can do well right away. Yeah. And in a in a way, I actually think the Raptors might have been not the right place for the first female coach because they're going to take a step back next year, almost certainly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of those things. Like, um, depending on how long Pop stays with the Spurs, um, that might could you could you see her taking over there eventually? Maybe, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. So I was just curious your your thoughts on that because yeah. I I have seen that name come up a lot. Yeah, yeah, pe- yeah. It's one of those things that again, internet. But people have taken that you're, like you're saying to the extremes on both sides. Um, I I I haven't been too like like diving into it too much just because I I think it's I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I treat it like I mean it's like any other um, person looking for uh, for a, co- a higher up coaching job like. Um, it's cool that you got an interview um, with Milwaukee, and uh, I, I, I'm really excited for when we do get the first female NBA head coach, and uh, I think Becky Hammond would be a great uh, a candidate for that. Um, so, you know. If, if Nick Nurse ends up making a new coaching staff with the Raptors, mm-hmm. I would love to see her brought in as a lead assistant. That would be cool. I'd be up for that, yeah. Um, I think that is probably the next step for her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think it would be great to see her, her brought in for that. And I think that's probably about who the Raptors would be looking at for those assistant positions. If, it, say, Rex Kalamian does decide to move on, which is totally possible. When, whenever an internal promotion happens, it can happen that the other guys who were candidates for that internal pr- promotion decide to go elsewhere because they didn't get the opportunity they were looking for. Yeah. So I wouldn't be shocked if Rex dis- did decide to move on, but that would mean that, you know, Nick nurse has some big shoes to fill in his own staff. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I do kind of hope he brings in at least is allowed to bring in like a couple of his own people. That'd be, that'd be kind of cool. Um, but, uh, we'll see. Um, maybe he, maybe he doesn't want to make any changes really. I could see that too. Maybe he's cool with the way things are, but I, I usually someone when they get promoted, they want to bring in a, a person or two. Um, yep. but yeah, somebody like, yeah, like bringing in like a Becky Hammond would be awesome. Um, cause I've, like, like you said, I've heard nothing but really good things about her and that, that piece by Pau Gasol was awesome about her earlier and, this year. And I don't think she gets enough credit for the fact that like she had an incredible playing career. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Um, and, and so she's got, I, I think she's got a lot of valuable experience to bring to the table. So yeah. I'd love to see them if they need some uh, front of the bench assistance to look at bringing her in for that position. But who knows if she would want to leave the Spurs? But she's uh, she's more qualified, I think, than than Stack is right now. To be honest. Yeah, I would I would actually agree with that as well. Yeah, like um, I would have been okay with that the hiring her over Stack if like that had been like I'd like say it had been between those two. Like I would have been okay with that kind of thing. I am. I'm still very sad that Stack is no longer with the organization because I think he will be a very good uh, coach one of these days. Yeah, I agree. That's one of the things too. That's that's one of the only things about um, taking longer to do the hiring was it would have been cool if um, we could have maybe hired Nurse a little sooner and then he um, really advocated to bring Stack onto the on the staff as a assistant. Yep, I would have liked well, that a lot. Yeah. I think we've kind of covered the Nick Nurse thing and yep. everything else related to the Raptors. Yep. Um, yeah, that's pretty much, I think that's pretty much everything. We went on a couple tangents, but that's good. No, it went much longer than I thought we were uh, going to be able to. But yeah, we really, uh, we rung that out. Um, Which Raptors jersey do you think is going to look best on Luka Doncic? <laughs> uh, he's got a, he's got a rep, uh, Oh man, I really hope I'm not forgetting someone right now who's wearing the number. I don't think we have one now, but do we have a do we have a five now? Um, off the top of my head, I don't think so. Because Bruno was five when he came in. Yeah, right? I I mean Doncic wore seven for Real Madrid, but yeah. obviously that's Kyle Lowry's number. Yeah, yeah, he's got a. a he I think he sometimes wears seventy seven. Yeah, actually, I think he wore 77 for uh, their international team. So, yeah. so maybe that he picked that number if he was in. I just, I just advocate for five all the time because five is my favorite number, and because, <laughs> it, and because he could be taking over the mantle for the Bruno as a folklore hero. It'd be amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, you don't, you don't think that would be a bad omen? <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. He's like the guy's a uh, G League champ. I, I can't say anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, honestly, doesn't matter to me. He can wear any number. He could wear the infinity sign sideways or whatever, and I'd be cool with it. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I'd be so hyped for that, man. I, I swear I'll be running around screaming. Um, the, the closer we get to this craziness becoming potentially possible, I get more and more irrational. So, um, you'll be seeing more irrational tweets from me on my timeline. Um, do you want to plug anything before I let you go? Um, I'm mostly just writing for Raptors Republic right now. I was joined their podcast with William Liu to talk about Nick Nurse as well today. I'm going to be 
hopefully having a piece out on the Nick Nurse hiring uh, today or tomorrow. Ooh. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Anthony SM Doyle. I tweet way too often. So <laughs> if you follow me, you'll get lots of content. And uh, thank you again for having me on, Josh. Oh, yeah. No, I, pre- I appreciate it. Um, you coming on at such short notice. Um, I, I want to do an emergency podcast on this because I, I just had that, that itch to do a, to do a podcast on uh, Nick Nurse. So, uh, yeah, definitely um, follow Anthony on Twitter because uh, he tweets a lot of smart Raptors things. And um, I usually just play off of them and quote tweet him so that I sound smart. Um, yeah, so if you're uh, listening to this right now, um, you can find this podcast and the other ones just like it on uh, writer on uh, Bumpers.fm, podcast called Writers Write. Um, you can find it on Twitter at Writers Write Pod. And uh, I put the links there, and um, uh, all the episodes are posted there as well, and uh, um, some uh, some other links too, usually to uh, pieces that uh, my guests have written and things like that. Um, until then, you can follow me at Howvolution on Twitter. Um, you can find my own work as well at Raptors Republic. Been a little slow for me lately. Um, I've been I, the last thing I did was the piece on DeRozan, uh, his player review. But uh, we'll see. I might, I might have some more things coming. Um, we'll see there. And then, yeah, occasionally you can find me on BML Breakdown as well. And I will definitely have more things coming. I promise probably something this week for Scene Creek. Uh, movie stuff is coming. I have a, my Pixar article I'm working on. So that is coming. Um, got a very special podcast coming up next week. There'll probably be another podcast this week as well. Um, but a very special one coming up next week as well. So uh, thank you for listening and stay tuned. I appreciate it. Thank <music> you.